Welcome to More Than a Mission, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to discern God's calling to live an active, intentional life of sharing the gospel. Each week, we talk about the way God is moving in our lives, around the world, and everywhere in between, as well as how God's call to missions may apply to your life. Ready to explore your calling? Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the first official episode of the More Than a Mission podcast. I'm joined with the always welcoming Zaya Henderson. What's up, guys? And the Mr. Analytical Andrew Carlberg. How's it going? Thanks for joining us again today, guys. Uh, today, we're going to be going over what the world race is. This journey that we're going to be leaving, uh, leaving to, to go on in October. The World Race is an 11-month Christian mission trip to 11 different countries uh, designed for individuals in the age range of 21 to 35 years old. The World Race is a life-changing mission trip where we will grow with God, serve with others, and make a difference around the world. For Zaya, Andrew, and myself, um, our route will take us around the Pacific Rim and we'll be traveling to and serving in the countries of Costa Rica, Panama, Ecuador, Peru, Chile, Japan, Taiwan, Vietnam, Cambodia, Malaysia, and Indonesia. I don't know about you guys, but October can't come soon enough for me. Um, so the world race, what brought you guys to wanting to do the world race? Yeah, so for me, we'll go a uh, not incredibly long version here. I'll start last November-ish. Um, I was in a season of life where I think about like the major areas of life. So like community, my church, my job, relationships, like platforms that I've been given and just like areas of influence. And I would tell you that over the course of the last like five years since college for me that I have experienced frustration in each of those areas at different times. But last November, it was like aligned for the first time where frustration came in every single one of those areas. And so immediately it became pretty clear that like the Lord was like urging me on to just like something had to change. I didn't know what it was, but to just like start seeking him on what change looked like. And so at the same time that was happening, two passages of scripture um, kept coming up over and over. The first one was Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents. And the second one was the short parable in Luke 14. But so the brief version of the first one, parable of the talents, is that there are three workers who are given different amounts of gold by a master. One is given five bags of gold, one is given two bags, and one is given one bag. And the two guys who get five and two bags go out and like invest the bags of gold that they have and return with double portions. So the guy with five comes back with 10, the guy with two comes back with four. And they're told, well done, good and faithful servant. But then the guy with one buries it, hides his money, and then returns his money um, on the day that the master comes to check in and he hasn't earned anything. He just returns the one bag of gold back and he is called lazy and wicked. And so I've read that passage a number of times. What like stood out for the first time to me was that what they were rewarded for was their like willingness to risk and to invest, not the fact that they brought back a certain amount. 
And so for me, um, something that got really revealed through that was I have felt a like tug on my heart towards missions ever since college. And I kind of always hid behind, like, just as the disciples were sent out two by two in the New Testament, I wanted to have a two by two to go with, whether that was a friend or a wife, like I just didn't want to go alone. And what the Lord spoke through that first passage was essentially like, even if you feel like you are lacking that two by two, so you feel like you only have this one one talent rather than having two or five. Like if you look around other people, like what I want is your risk and your investment. I'm not concerned about like how quote talented you are coming into this. So that's passage one passage two. uh, There's this brief parable where Jesus talks about a master and three servants again. And this time he invites three servants to come to this wedding feast. And the first one says they can't come because he just got some land. The second one just got some oxen and the third one just got married. The master gets angry, sends out for everybody else in the city and then specifically says that those three men will never get to enter the feast. And that is like a very heavy word. Um, It is not just like a warning against like a deeper intimacy with the Lord. Like it is a warning against missing eternity with the father, like the wedding feast. And the thing that stood out to me from that passage was like none of those three things that they missed out on, like the, what they were doing and distracted by, none of those were like inherently terrible. I think it's really easy to think that like it's either following Jesus or just like horrible, obvious sin. But like the reality of those three men is they were distracted by good things and they were unwilling to let go of good things. And so through that, the question just became like very clear Like, are you willing to let go of control of like all of these areas of your life, like your job, community that you have, the areas that I've given you, like, are you willing to risk and to invest these areas having like no idea what is on the other side? And so that led to me like starting to look into a few different options. Um, First option was international, which is world race. Second option was to move to Tennessee, be part of a new church plant that I knew that was going on out there. Uh, and then the third option was like, stay here in Indy um, and get a new job, maybe change churches and like essentially start my own house church was the option there. And then a fourth option came up, but I'll get to that one in a second. And so wrestling through that, it became clear, like immediately just like kept hearing the Lord speak, like pick the option that strips you of all control, which is like international, the one that strips you of all like the comforts of what you've always known of just like being able to control your life here in America, how you've always known it to be. And so I looked at a few organizations and just like connections that I have around the world and world race ended up winning. The brief version is that there's two main things. Um, The first being that a lot of the other options were just like, I'm going by myself to somewhere in the world, knowing nothing and just like see what happens. And like world race offers the fact that we get to like go in a team and go with a squad and like experience and like wrestle through these things within community, like within the body of believers rather than being off on my own. And then the second thing being just a chance to like really capture like an actual global vision, right? Like ministry just looks so different in different parts of the world. And so the chance to just like really gain a global vision um, for what ministry looks like, And I mean, with that, there's just like 
I know there's a chance that like one of 11 countries now could win my heart, um, like longer term. I have no idea what's going to come, but the idea of capturing like a true global vision rather than just like one other place in the world really excited me. And so I went through with everything, decided on a world race, applied, got accepted. 20 minutes after I get the phone call of acceptance, I get a phone call from a random couple in Texas that I know through a couple of missionaries in South Africa. And they literally get on the phone and they're like, hey, I know you don't know me, um, but we'd like you to move down to Texas, become the lead pastor of a new church we're planting and start a soccer ministry for refugees. I was like, okay, that <laughs> seems like a lot. Uh, so I was like, well, let me get back to you because I just did this other thing. So I prayed for that, prayed through that for a couple of days, but it still just like immediately was evident that the Lord was calling me to just like pick the option that strips you of all control. And like in that is, I think the final word that came more recently and just like in affirming it is like the lives that we are called to as believers are lives of like mission and like, right. Is the great commission. It's not the great suggestion. Like we are called to go. And like, that is costly. Like following Jesus is costly. Like it could cost you your job. It could cost you like the platforms and area of influence the Lord has given you community, your social status, popularity, like reputation, comfort, control, like all of it. It, it can cost you all of it. Like, are we actually, am I actually willing to like respond to his invitation to step through the uncertainty of maybe losing all of those things? just because like what he honors and what he desires is for me to live a life that is risky and not comfortable and safe in being missional. And so that is how uh, I ended up saying yes. And we will uh, go from here. Don't really know what the next <laughs> 11 months is going to bring. Um, but that is how I got to the point of saying yes to World Race. Dude, that's so awesome. And I know like that's definitely not the first time that I've heard you share that story but every time it's just so interesting to hear and i love how you you dive into um how god was just calling you to choose the option that called you to give up everything basically everything that gave you comfort in your life here now and that's definitely uh something that the world race leadership and staff has stressed to us is that for these 11 months that we're going to be on this trip, like everything that we had comfort in at home and like the foundations and the lives that we built here is going to be stripped from us. And, and that's really going to be our foundation of growing with God is that no matter what we're going through, we're, we'll have him to turn to. Um, so I love how you, that really factored into your decision. What about you, Zaya? Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. When I was younger, my mom actually had a dream that I'll be doing some form of international mission work in some aspect. And like going through life, I was like, oh, that'd be like a good idea type of thing, but it never really stuck with me until like in college, I had a, I just felt like I was getting called to missions. I actually do missionary work. But still again, like being in college, I was focusing on that and actually doing all the work I needed to do with college and kind of balancing track with that as well. So it was kind of hard to focus on doing missionary work when I was doing all the other stuff that I needed to do for school. And then after that, it was pretty much like put on the back burner at that point until I had a dream 
about being in missionary work and doing missions because when I woke up when or in the dream I woke up and I had send me tattooed on my body in every written language and God clearly speaking to me saying I already shot you out so just go and the crazy thing is like I have an arrow tattoo which I think represents God shooting us out and actually being the arrow to speak to everybody and fighting what we need to fight for as Christians and him saying that already shot you out was like okay definitely being related to the arrow and everything so definitely woke up like okay i need to do missionary work and don't know how didn't really know about the world race it was like one of the things that was foreign to me because this would be my first missionary trip which is crazy like god has spoken to me to do one that's 11 months <laughs> instead of doing one that's like oh two three months that's like local but i'm going around the world for 11 months gone for a year for my very first missionary trip but, yeah Dude, that's so crazy. Like, I can't even imagine, first of all, like having a, such a vivid dream like that is, is just crazy to me because I don't think I've ever really experienced anything like that. But I love how in tune you are with it and like how something like that has changed your life. And like you just saying yes um, to a sign and like a vision that, that God is giving you which is how this podcast started out too. So y'all have, y'all have Zaya to thank for that one. (laughs) That's crazy though, that like, this is going to be your first, first mission trip. I can't comprehend that. Like I could barely get it through my head the first time I went on like a week long mission trip. How did your family feel about that? when you told them, Hey, I decided (laughs) that I'm going to do mission work and I'm leaving for 11 months. (laughs) It was funny. I never really told them. It was one of the things where, like, I dreamed about it and everything. And then, like, I went to my pastor and told him about it. He was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, we need to do, like, an interview for you and everything. And, like, I knew that I was supposed to be leaving in October before the route was even posted on the World Race website. So, I was like, I was telling him, I was like, yeah, like, I'm supposed to be leaving in October, da 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 type of thing. And, like, a few days later, I looked at the World Race website, and that was the only one that was leaving in October I was like well that's the one so that's the one I picked and applied for it got accepted and everything but so after the interview happened like my dad saw it because mutual friends sent it to him he's like oh look at this type of thing and then one day I was like oh so do you have anything to tell me I was like no like are you sure I'm like I don't think so oh, <laughs> like what do you mean <laughs> so yeah, so he did call me out, and I finally told him, like, yeah, like, I feel like I'm being called to the world race. He's like, well, if you, I can't do, say anything, I can't tell you no, because if you think God's calling you for it, like, I'm not going to go against God with that situation. So it was definitely fun. It was definitely fun to be able to tell my mom before she passed, and she lit up with excitement when she heard that I was going on a mission trip. Oh, uh, that is so amazing. I know she'd be extremely proud of you for all that you've done already. And like, we haven't even, we haven't even left yet, which is just crazy to think. (laughs) I know for me, why the world race is kind of, I'd say it's a little bit similar to Andrew's uh, story, just in the sense of that, like, I just felt a calling to a life different than the one I was currently living. Like at long to keep the backstory a little short here, because we're gonna touch on that later. 
Um, but I already finished college, was working my full-time career and going, coming out of high school, going into college, I had this like crazy stubborn attitude that a life in missions was absolutely not for me. And, you know, years later now, it's just crazy to look back on that, to think how completely opposite my views and beliefs are now. Um, so the world race for me is kind of just a buildup from missions, from prior mission experiences I've had. I've been to Haiti four different times. And after the last time I went to Haiti back in August of 2018, I got home. Um, I kind of just felt the Lord saying to branch out because this was the fourth time now that I had gone and served the same community in the same school in the same church um, down in this little village in Haiti. And I just felt like God was calling me to more, not saying that the people in Haiti that I was serving still didn't need help, but um, just to broaden my horizons and, and push myself outside of this new comfort zone that I had built uh, with those mission trips. Um, and after I got back from that trip in August of 2018, I started looking to God uh, to show me my new, op like the next new mission opportunity. And I just remember being so frustrated because nothing was coming up. Like, I would see different mission organizations going to all the different places around the world and looking into them and reading all about them and like reading about other people's experiences with these organizations and their trips. And it just like had no effect on me. It didn't spark anything inside of me. And like, that's how I knew none of those were for me. And it got to a point where I just stopped. I straight up stopped looking. Like, I kind of just got to that point where I gave up, I surrendered and said, God, like, if this is what you really want me to do, I know you'll show me, like, I need to stop putting in my own effort and trying to seek out what I think is best for myself and just let you do the work and come to me. And it literally didn't take more than a month after that before I found out about the world race. And I don't, it's it's all history from there. Like as soon as I found out about the world race, it was just an immediate spark and it took off and now we're here and I wouldn't have traded the last, it's been like eight months now since I found out about the world race. I wouldn't trade that for the world because I feel like I've already changed so much through not only the two of you, but everyone else in our squad that we've been able to connect with already. Um, so that's just kind of, it's been a crazy whirlwind while we're getting ready for the world race here, but it's been so amazing. Um, yeah, that is, that's my story. Yeah. I think it's just crazy to like sit back and think about, I mean, is like a way bigger picture than even just our squad, but to think about just our squad, like how many different stories, like personal and intimate things of like the ways that the Lord like is going to lead all 50 of us do the same thing like none of us are going to have known each other beforehand and just like completely different stories yet like there's going to be this like underlying avenue um and just like 
reality of them all being tied to like it's just the beautiful thing about like how the lord speaks right like he speaks and he's alive and he's active but like he's also personal and intimate and so like the way that he is going to call all 50 of us is going to be different yet like we're being called to the same thing absolutely dude it's crazy and it almost feels like every story has a tie-in with each other because like every story is like oh like you're supposed to do mission in some form or fashion and that's what got us all to one place to do the world race yeah well i think that's one of the the super cool things about the world race too is that like you know with especially with my past mission experience it was you know we went down to haiti for a week at a time and the mission work that we were doing was very specific to what needed to be done there and I think the world race is so cool because it's not like that like we're going to all these different places and serving and we'll be serving in such different capacities in each place that we're going that it, it'll make it easy for all easier for all of us to find what like our true calling is inside of missions not just like mission work in general you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that ties into a question I'd love to, like, hear an answer to from you guys. It's just, like, what is, what are you, is a lot of, what is just, there's a lot of things. <laughs> what is just, like, <laughs> one thing, man, one or two things that, like, you're hoping to take away, you're hoping the Lord, like, speaks into over the next year? Man. You were right, dude. There's there's a lot of answers to that question. <laughs> yeah. I think I think for me, something around mission work that I've wrestled with for a long time now is, you know, what what good am I really doing? And like is the work that I'm doing more and like the experiences that I'm having through through missions, is it more for me or is it more for the people that I'm serving? And I would be a liar to tell you that this world race journey for me is all about the people that we'll be serving because I am expecting and hoping of God to change my life in super amazing radical ways. Um, but at the same time, like that, that idea of like changing me has to tie into opening like having God open my heart to see all these people that we're serving the way that he sees them and love them the way that he loves them so that's that's honestly my biggest thing yeah how about you Zaya it's, it's very hard since like I'm going in like a rookie pretty much since this is my first <laughs> mission trip it's I'm just excited to see how God leads me to minister to minister to others and how they impact my life with the ministry that I give to them that's like best way I can say it I guess like I'm I guess the quote like Micah said I'm really excited to kind of be broken by this mission trip and kind of be rebuilt by the end of the mission trip when I come back to the states so I can teach people what I've learned and then also venture out to other mission trips hopefully yeah I mean, that ties in pretty well. <laughs> the two things that I would share that come to mind most uniquely um, on that idea of just like being broken and put back together, uh, something that like I've learned recently, um, Lord spoken through 
is like the word worship in scripture. Uh, Genesis 22 is the first place in all scripture it's used. And it's not tied to some like emotional moment of singing. It is the moment where Abraham is told to sacrifice his son Isaac on a mountain. And he turns and he looks at his servants and he says, like, you guys wait here while the boy and I go worship on the mountain. And so it's just this beautiful imagery that like living a life of worship is a life that is like of deep sacrifice and of like laying down the things that like we can desire. And like even uh, just thinking about like how people can twist that so easily and just say like, you should hold on to the dreams that you have because like if the Lord really loved you, then he would know better than to like touch those. But like the reality is he's going to touch those things because like what he's after is your heart and your intimacy. And like, he wants you to walk in intimacy with him. And like to do that is to live a life that is truly worshiping, like laying down ourselves, not just singing an emotional song. Um, but for me, I think the main thing that I'm hoping in addition to just like learning more what it means to just like walk in an intimate and worshipful life is I have wrestled with for a while. Um, I've been on a few trips and just wrestled with like the difference between I go somewhere and feel like my heart is like burns so much more for the place that I'm at. I see unbelievable amounts of like poverty and brokenness, but I see like a joy and a hope that I do not see here. Like even I speak broken Spanish and I've been in Spanish speaking countries and I like kind of understand what they're saying, but it's just like the idea of like listening to them pray and be like, I don't even know what you're saying totally right now, but like, I know you believe it. Um, and then I come back here to America and I do see like, pretty well off for most parts like we're not living in extreme poverty and like shacks on the side of a hill yet I see like so much less joy and so much less hope and so much more apathy and so I would tell you my heart is like has felt more alive elsewhere but more broken for the United States and so I've just like always wrestled with do I go where my heart's like more alive or do I go where my heart breaks more um, and so just like, I think this will be the first extended season more than a month that I've ever experienced of like really seeing the other side of like where I feel like my heart burns more and hoping that brings clarity on like whether I think I'm called to life that is missional elsewhere or here in the United States. Um, I even had a different, but kind of similar to say what you're describing. Uh, I actually realized this the other day. I will share more about this in depth later on when we talk about our stories. But I had a vision three years ago now, like three years and a week ago, uh, that included, it like finalized with, it was like a call on my life, um, but it finished with hearing worship in multiple languages. And I had always told that story as just like, anytime I'd shared it with people, that it was just multiple languages. But I like literally knocked that journal off of my desk a few weeks or like a week ago um, and was reading like the day of that vision. And I kid you not, the specific detail that I wrote down that I didn't remember at all was that I remember there being 11 languages that were like <laughs> you were listening to. And so it's just like crazy to read that and look back on a detail I hadn't even remembered. And now like we're going to 11 countries. Um, so even like tied into that is just hoping. But like, yeah, just clarity on if 
longer term if I think I'm called to here or elsewhere. Yeah, I can feel you on that, dude. Like, I just remember my first first mission experience was such a shock to me because, you know, you're going to this place where extreme poverty is the norm, but you enter into this culture and just see the immense amount of joy that these people have largely due to the love that they have for the Lord. And it's, it's so crazy. It's so inspiring and so heartwarming, but it's, it's kind of devastating to think of, of how different it is back here in the States. It's so crazy. Like hearing y'all speaking of it and everything, there was a artist that I listened to that said that America has watered down faith and like every other country is like super gun ho for the Lord and everything. And like hearing you speak about it, it's like, also, like, America is very watered down. Like, we get mad at God for when the lights go out. But over there in, like, China or Japan, somewhere else, they'll be like, oh, the lights are out. But I'm going to still praise God through this, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you first hear of the world race? Like, what was your first encounter with what the world race is, et cetera? I think mine's the simplest, so I'll go first. <laughs> there are, I am part of a, a house church of about 30 to 40 people, and there's two girls in our house church. One who just got back. She actually got forced to leave six weeks early, so she was on month 10 from COVID. And then another girl who did it in 2016. So I knew about it through them. Never really looked into it until... November and I was like huh I remember that thing they did <laughs> oh no I'm mine's might beat you Andrew because mine was through a Facebook ad <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I didn't really know anybody that has done the world race so it just came up on Facebook and that's how I learned about it that's crazy <laughs> my my story is a little similar to yours they like having to do with social media um, so definitely not the personal experience that Andrew had but mine was like, for all you Instagram users out there, think back to the ancient days of when you could see posts that people you followed liked. So like someone you followed liked a certain picture, you could see that. That's how I was introduced to the world race. A friend of mine that followed the world race Instagram page had liked a photo that they posted and like in the little preview screens uh, on Instagram, I was like, oh, that looks like kind of an, an interesting picture. Clicked on it, saw it, literally spent the, the rest of the, this is probably at like 8, 8.30 p.m. on a, a weeknight. Spent the next, like, I was up until 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning that night, wow. scrolling through every World Race social media page. Um, I went on their website and like read every single route that they had available at the time. I read people's experiences, like read their blogs for people that were on the race right now or had done the race in the past, like watched people's videos that were on the race, watched all the videos that the world race like had out there on the web about all the different trips that they were doing and then filled out my application. Like when I'm telling you, it was something that I saw and like immediately knew that I had to do like that's seriously how it was 
I remember seeing it at like, and those hours in between there just like flew by. I remember having looked through everything, filled out my application, like completed the whole, the whole thing. And then looking at the clock and it was like three 30 in the morning. I was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, I didn't pull a Zaya here. I didn't submit my application without telling my parents. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had it all filled out though and was done with it. And I was like, yeah, I should probably at least like tell them that I'm applying for this. Like there's no guarantee that it's happening, but I should probably at least tell them, Hey, this is what, I feel called to do and this is what I'm thinking about doing and <laughs> I just remember well it, it kind of brought me back to the first time I told my mom that I was going to do a mission trip to Haiti and I remember how much she freaked out about that it took forever to get her like to feel comfortable with me going and doing that and so I was super nervous uh, when I went home to my parents house it was the weekend after I had filled out my application and my mom and I were sitting in the living room and I was like, Hey mom, I, I have something to tell you and just spilled the beans, told her everything, like everything I just told you, how I saw the world race, what it is, and that I already had my application filled out and that I was going to submit it no matter what she said. <laughs> and then I kind of just paused and like, I just laid all this information on her. What is she going to say? And she, <laughs> She just looks me dead in the eye and goes, why can't you ever do anything safe? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, mom. Like, <laughs> this is just what I feel the Lord is calling me to do. And sometimes there's just so much humor in that because of how completely different me and my parents are. And... <laughs> It's definitely it brought us to butt heads quite a bit, but it's also brought in a lot of very good conversations uh, between us that I don't think we would have had otherwise. So <laughs> that's my story with how I got introduced to the world race. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I can relate to that a little bit. <laughs> I, I applied and filled everything out on December 23rd or like or yeah, got accepted as I was driving home on Christmas Eve to like have an interview. <laughs> Scheduled that interview as I was driving home. Get home and I'm like, hey, mom and dad, uh, I have an interview two days from now for this thing. And yeah, I, but I think there is a lot of beauty in what you just talked about of like, it makes it, I have seen it with just people I know in general, my family, my extended family, friends, all of that, like, it makes people come to a point of like really having to make a decision on what they believe about Jesus. Because like now there is someone that is like personal in their life that is making a decision that like, if I don't believe Jesus is completely reckless and crazy. And like, so it is just like, I've seen it really move and push people that I know to like have to really make a decision on, am I all in on this Jesus thing or am I not? Something yeah. cool. I just feel like as Christians, we are made to be unsafe. Like we have to go through things. Like almost everybody in the Bible went through a struggle to like and overcame the struggle with it. So for me, like, okay, this is gonna be normal. It's gonna be a struggle and it could be potentially unsafe. But I know like with God, it's gonna be okay. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly it, dude. Like, it's literally told in the Bible that being a follower of Christ will not be easy. But, you know, the, the love and the joy that we'll get out of it is it makes it all the more worth it. Andrew, I have a, another question for you, seeing as you actually know people that have been on the race uh, before. Is there anything that they've told you uh, when you talk to them, like what we should expect on the race and what, like, what we should expect to get out of it? Uh, there's a lot of things. <laughs> I think the most, okay, just give us the, the number one. <laughs> the most overarching thing, I think one of the coolest things that I've heard um, is from the girl who actually just left. They were on month 10 and had to leave because of COVID. And she told me that she went into a world race believing that world race was going to be her promised land. That like, like this trip of a year of being on mission, just serving people, like that was going to be her promised land. And what she realized is that the trip was like far more her wilderness before the promised land. That like far more than this trip just being like the end point, like this trip opened her eyes to what it means to like live missionally wherever she is. Yeah, that's good. And I, <laughs> you know, we were talking a little bit about what our expectations out of it were. And I think no matter what we say to that and what we expect, God's going to just blow our expectations out of the water, flip them over, throw them sideways <laughs> and just completely blow them out of the water. And I am so incredibly excited for that. I think that's going to do it for us this week on the more than a mission podcast. Uh, tune in next week, guys, as the three of us uh, get a little more into our backstories and our faith journeys and what has led us to where we are today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. See ya. We want to thank you for listening to More Than a Mission. For more information and to keep up with our ministries, follow us on social media at More Than a Mission Podcast or email us directly at more than a mission at outlook.com. <laughs>